Yo, this is BJ Gador with the BJ Gador podcast, and you are about to listen to my most listened to episode with Miles Orman about overcoming addiction. For those new to the show, I am the former fitness director of the Men's Health brand. I'm also the author of Your Body is Your Barbell, the definitive guide to bodyweight training, plus my brand new book, The Ultimate Push-Up Guide, available as a Kindle or paperback on Amazon. I have helped thousands of people burn fat, build muscle, and get mobile anytime, anywhere. Busy parents and professionals just like you looking for minimal equipment, minimal time solutions so they can make fitness a lifestyle. So we cover so many topics on this show. Fitness, exercise, nutrition, lifestyle, business. I even talk about my favorite TV shows and movies because that's a big part of the recovery process. All right, entertainment. So please do me a favor right now. Subscribe to this show so you don't miss an episode. Check out other episodes too. And ultimately, please enjoy this episode. Love you guys. Peace. Yo, BJ Gajor with the Get Some Games podcast. And we have a special guest today, the Miles Orman. He is a member of the DailyBJ.com. He is a gorilla corn. Uh, and he is uh, he's a special dude. He's got an awesome background in athletics. He's a family man, and he's out trying to build his own online business during these very challenging times. And I welcome you to the show, my man. DJ, what's going on, man? Thank you for having me. Dude, it's my pleasure. You know, I you caught my eye, obviously, uh, at thedailybj.com with your positive energy, your enthusiasm. And also, like, you know, immediately, you know, it, I wasn't surprised when I found out about your athletic background because, you know, for me, sport and athletics were always – uh, the foundation for me of the resilience I built in my life, you know, overcoming injuries, dealing with losses, defeats, setbacks, um, and me with what you wanted to accomplish with your fitness and how you attacked it very regimented focused. And, you know, once you lock in, uh, you know, nothing can stop you. And uh, so you're that type of guy. And I, I wanted to get you on to kind of share your story. You've got a really interesting background and origin story, which we'll tap into uh, and, you know, I, I like to highlight members of the DailyBJ.com that have done great things, and, and uh, this is another opportunity to do so. No, I appreciate it, man. Ever since I started, you know, on the DailyBJ.com and then becoming like a gorilla corn, like in the back of my mind, my main goal was to earn BJ's respect. Like that was what I wanted the most. Like I wanted to show up. I wanted to let you know that I was about that life and like it's been an awesome two and a half years so far man well man i appreciate the support uh as we talked about before uh jumping into this recording it's tougher than ever to make money in fitness and uh everyone's trying to make money online right now because of you know we're post-pandemic or whatever this new normal is um and you're just starting fresh too so you know we, we talked about the ins and outs of that privately uh, but, you know, it, it, it's great to, you know, as I mentioned, too, I'm a very introverted person. I, I have a very small inner circle, but I do enjoy seeing people just, you know, grab the bull by the horns, man. And, and you're definitely one of those cats. And uh, let's let's talk about the origin story. You mentioned, you know, obviously, I know you were a, a D1 basketball player. Um, you've been very open on social media about dealing with addiction and stuff like that. Um, but you also mentioned too, you were a child actor. So there, there's some, there's definitely more <laughs> than meets the eye to Miles Orman, huh? 
Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty cool story, man. I um I had a unique upbringing. Um, my father is an actor and was well known for um playing Gordon on Sesame Street. So he was one of the like the human characters. Uh, if you ever see the show, ever watch the show, he's the bald dude, bald black guy. And um, after I was born, they had this idea, you know, because Sesame Street obviously is always trying to educate, you know, children and just the population in general. Um, at that time, adoption was like a big topic. So they had the idea that I was going to join the cast as his, his adopted son. Um, so for about eight or nine years of my life, I was a child actor. So what was that like? Because, you know, it's, you never hear good things about it. <laughs> you know, like, it, <laughs> it, it can take its toll. Um, I mean, I just think about, like, I mean, honestly, maybe I've watched too much, like, VH1 behind the scenes or, like, you know, all the all the documentaries about the child actors. But what was that like for you? Yeah, no, you definitely hear the stories about people who, like, really go down a dark path after that. But I think what my dad did for me in hindsight was, was great because um, when I was probably, like, 10 or 11, he, he took me off the show because he figured I was missing out on childhood experiences. Like, you know, I would go to school and have to leave early or some days I would miss school. So there was a lot that I wasn't experiencing. Um, but as far as like being on the show, man, it was awesome. Like I was, I was a, a little kid. So obviously I'm going, I'm playing make believe with like all the puppets, Big Bird, fucking Elmo, Grover. And then like, you know, I'm, I'm on TV uh, in school, I'm kind of like the popular kid around town. People know me. They know my dad. Um, and just to see what the production was like on a on a TV show, I think, was really cool and um, kind of cemented some type of creative aspirations in myself. And uh, I've always just been connected to, like, the arts and those kind of things because of that experience. So it was really cool, man. Like, it, I, I wouldn't be the type of person that I am without having gone through that. Who is your... Okay, how about this? Who was your favorite Sesame Street character before joining the show, and then who was your favorite after? Um, before joining the show, well, I, I started the show when I was like um, one, so I don't even, I can't even say. But uh, <laughs> um, Elmo, I mean, Elmo's the goat. Like, obviously, he had that that surge of popularity, like in the the nineties. You know, Tickle Me Elmo took off and whatnot, and. You know, he's just a lovable character. Um, I think he's a fan favorite for everybody. So I, I'd probably have to say Elmo. That's a solid choice. Solid choice. And then, so you, you, you got taken out of the child acting and just kind of went right into just dedicated sports? Um, no. So, like, there's a cool story to me starting to play basketball. But um, for a couple of years, I did martial arts. Um, I There was a... a karate um, studio that opened up in my town. And, you know, I was a fan of like wrestling and stuff growing up, big WWF, um, WWF at the time um, fan. And then I wanted to try to do something like similar to that. So I took on karate for a few years, uh, did that. And it, that was like the first time I was exposed to like what it took to be like disciplined and regimented and like to like just take your time with the process of getting better at something because when i first started like i sucked but you know you would just show up a couple times a week they were methodical in their approach you know you, you had to work on your weaknesses all the time so it's like that kind of cemented that uh, work ethic and that like mindset 
And then um, I actually, you know, I used to play basketball, like just for fun around town, like in my backyard, I had a goal and whatnot. But I didn't play organized ball until freshman freshman year of high school when I tried out for, for the freshman team and made the team for the first time. So I was a little late to the game when it, when it comes to basketball as well. And uh, what, what was your uh, – what's your jam out there on the court? Like what, what type of player are you? Um, I'm kind of like the glue guy. Like I was the jack of all trades in a sense. Like definitely more defensive-minded at first. Um, I – so I was really athletic. Um, after my freshman year, um, you know, I started freshman and then I went to, to make the, the varsity team. So that summer going into the sophomore year, I got this, um, I don't know if you remember, I think the magazine's still around, Slam. It's like a popular uh, basketball magazine. Um, in there, they were promoting like at the back of the, the magazine, this, um, this workout program, it was called Air Alert. And like, they were like, ah, increase your vertical by like 75%, whatever, whatever. It's like a, an eight week program. So here I am like, just trying to figure out ways to get better work on my game. Like at that time, like I loved like Vince Carter, like all the high flyers, like I, I wanted to be able to, to kind of like dunk like them. So I got this program, man, and it's a bunch of plyometrics. So it was uh, like a, an eight week program. I'm in my backyard, like every day going out there doing the exercises. Like my dad sees me, he sees I'm dedicated, like just feeling like really motivated and inspired and after that program leading into that next year like i had completely changed like my ability to like jump and move and run and i became like the the athletic dude on the team where i'm like just dunking on people catching stuff off the rebound so like my identity was kind of like as this high flyer um they they even gave me like the nickname at one point like frequent flyer miles because like that's all i used to really focus on was trying to catch dunks that's that's one of the best nicknames I've heard, man. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. It was cool how that worked out, man. And where'd you end up playing in college? Yeah, so I played for a small Division One. Um, it was like a mid-major school. It's Marist College. It's in uh, upstate Poughkeepsie, New York. Um, it's in the MAC conference, so we played like Manhattan, Ryder, Canisius, um, Siena. Um, so it's not like a huge school, but it was like decent size, you know, mid-major. So, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, a, a Dennis Rodman, Draymond Green, maybe a Jared Vanderbilt type type player. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. Throwing like Mick, combine them with a little bit of a like Jason Richardson. And then you got kind of like how I was. I love that, man. And by the way, shout out to uh, you, you're, you uh, are friends or acquaintances with uh, another friend of the show, the Boone Brothers. Yeah, man. Jason and Malcolm. That was... um. After I had joined um, the Daily BJ, I, you know, I was following you on Instagram for a couple of years, and I saw a promo for um, Sleeves Sold Separately, and I saw Jason in the shorts, and he was talking about, like, you know, how he was a part of the brand and everything. I was like, what? Like, this is a such a small world that um, I knew him from one of my best friends in college. He went to NYU and played with him. And then when I was in college, Jason used to come up on a uh, like a summer basketball team. So I got to like connect with him there. And then it just so happened that you guys were like connected. So it was crazy. No, it, it, dude, it is a small world. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's always it's always great to see some blasts from the past, you know. No, for sure. And then so what, what, what was like your what was your career track? Uh, like what, what did you major in in college and what happened after you were done playing? 
Yeah, so, I, you know, I was um, I was like the typical athlete when they, they kind of tell you not to throw all your eggs in one basket to kind of have a plan. Um, I thought, like, I was, I was realistic. I didn't necessarily think that I was going to make it to the league, but I thought I would at least have, like, a professional career. So um, as far as my major, I studied communications just because of my background. Um, I saw myself as being, like, a, a uh, on-TV, like, personality, like, maybe, like, play-by-play guy doing something like that. You know, kind of the stuff that you see a lot of the retired players doing. Um, and then as far as my career, it really didn't pan out, man. Like I, I came off the bench, didn't get a lot of minutes. Um, you know, part of my, my whole story, like, as you mentioned, is around addiction. And um, so when I first, you know, got to school, I got thrown into this party lifestyle and mindset where in high school, I went from not drinking because... You know, there was alcoholism in my family. My mother had a drinking problem. And I was so focused on getting a scholarship that I didn't touch the stuff. I get to college, the social pressures, the norms, like the upperclassmen, they were just, it was such a part of the culture that I picked up like a really bad drinking habit. Like I was just a binge drinker. So I was kind of like managing playing ball and then partying. Like I barely graduated on time just because my focus was like really thrown off track. And in hindsight, you know, that was the main thing that uh, limited my, my potential as far as having a professional career. Dude, man, you know, alcohol is a, is a fucking killer. I've got a long line of alcoholism in my family. It's part of why I've never drank. Um, and, And the pressure is real in college, man. When I, so, you know, I played football at Amherst college and the basically Half the team was on the football fraternity. And if you went on that track, man, like it was obviously all the pledging. It's nonstop drinking and partying. Um, and then there's everyone else that just kind of went to school and played play ball. Um, and then the trajectory of the, the guys, like over the course of the four years, the ones that were caught in the fraternity life, like the way they aged, <laughs> like <just> the <laughs> outcomes, man, were like remarkably different from the guys that, and look, most of my friends who weren't in the fraternity still drank. But again, like that culture is just it's next level. Right. You just get caught into the, the binge drinking. Um, and, and for young men to be under that level of influence, like especially if they're like physical guys, bad things can happen, man. Right. Fights or whatever else. Um, yeah. Dude, it's a killer. It's an absolute killer. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's tough to beat. In fact, you know. You so many could argue it, you don't beat it. It's just how how can how can you create enough space between relapse, you know? And especially for right. kids, like uh, honestly, that's and we talk about fitness and health and stuff like that. Like I, I, honestly, like the two biggest tips I give to people: um, try to try to find a way to not have to drink or smoke. You know, like if you can do those two things, like I'm not even worried about push-ups and squats and diet, like. If you just don't drink or smoke, like good things can happen. Absolutely, man. And it's, um, you know, obviously it's so normalized in our culture. And then at that particular time, just in college, like people don't even realize how crazy it is, the amount of consumption when it comes to alcohol at that time. So it's easy to pick up a lot of bad habits, man. Like I know people that I've, I've gone to school with that have had their own struggles and, uh, you know, a lot of people don't talk about it, but it's it's really like it can get out of control for real. And when you say binge drink, drinking, you know, what are we talking like five beers, 10 beers, 20 beers or like what does that look like for you? 
I mean, bro, like we we would do, you know, pace races and keg stands and like, you know, playing flip cup and all those kind of things. So I'm talking about like fin- finishing 12 to 20 drinks a night on a, on a, a normal night. And then that became like every other night. And it was one of those things that after I got out of the college experience or, or that time in my life, I brought it to me and now my you know trying to have a career and have a family and you know i was it was my way to cope with all of the changes that happened to me after i was done playing basketball and i could no longer identify as this athlete you know like it was such a a a huge part of my identity and then to not be able to tap into that anymore um it was really challenging for me to like recalibrate and figure out who was miles outside of playing basketball. You know, you're a father of two. And, you know, if we have people listening, you know, with kids about to go to college, like one of the most overlooked aspects of it, besides the fact that you you put a child with an undeveloped brain under influence and they can do things that can cost them for the rest of their life, especially in our our current cancel culture and social media where everything is is broadcast or could be. um, what, What ends up really being problematic is people go from, you know, being, uh, young and athletic, and in many cases, like doing a sport or an extracurricular, and then they go to sit at, sit at a desk. But they bring in these <laughs> awful habits, and then they get older. The metabolism's already in your mid twenties. Uh, you know, you start to not burn as hot as you did in your teens uh, or college years, and it sets people up for you know massive weight gain, health health situations. Um, and before you know it, you're like in your thirties, and you're unrecognizable. Exactly. That's exactly what happened to me, man. Um, You know, part of the downward trajectory was uh, a little bit after my daughter was born. Um, This is probably like four years out of college. I was playing pickup and I I came down from like getting a rebound or something and like my back just gave out. Like it it was killing me, dude. Like I couldn't really walk to to get out of the, uh, the gym. You know, for weeks I was in pain. I could barely sit down. Um, so I finally went and got some scans. I went to a doctor and I screwed up by only getting one opinion. But basically, um, like one of the discs was slipped. There was some bulging. Uh, there was some degeneration going on. And this guy told me that at this point in my life, he would recommend that I stopped like lifting weights. Um, I should no longer like play basketball, like be active, like anything. And said like, really, as far as like, you know, exercise and activity is like to try and get myself to just being able to like walk without pain. And I took his word as the gospel, bro. Like, and again, this is, this is my bad for not like going for second and third. And, you know, some people need fourth opinions on these type of things, but I completely shut down after that. Like, so I was already drinking, you know what I mean? To kind of just manage some of the things going on with how I felt about where I was in life. And now, you know, I get prescribed painkillers. So I like that gets added to the mix and uh, things just go even further down, you know, from there. Um, but yeah, man, just like the back injury was just the icing on the cake for me to really lose my identity as like an athlete, somebody who was prideful and like how they could move and like, you know, connected to just being athletic. Man, like, I, I don't know what painkillers were taking, but like, uh, I had a lot of like yourself, I, I battled some injuries and I had just had these, this nonstop slew of knee injuries. And there was a point I'm taking like 10 to 20 a leave a day just to get through the day, get through practice. Um, I mean, they, they, you know, like we didn't, we didn't really know 
I popping that shit like candy. Um, <laughs> and by the way, like I, I, it's gotten to the point now where like I, 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 I will not take. Um, so interestingly enough, the first time I've taken, yeah, uh, like a a painkiller, if you will, um, you know, uh, that you can get at Walgreens since college was almost a year ago when I when I really hurt my lower back filming a fucking video for the dailybj.com like I I did the first rep of a swing and I felt I woke up uh, I woke up that morning tight and I had to quickly film something because Naomi had to go do some shipping for for a fashion line and we, we had a pocket of time something filmed and I heard at the beginning of the video and I had 10 more minutes to go and I'm just like we gotta fucking get this video done but what followed for the next 24 hours man like lower back pain is uh, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, especially when it when it when it's serious. Like I, I was in tears, man. I was in tears at night because I could not get comfortable, and I was I was refusing to take any sort of pain management because because of all the d- shit I took when I was young. I ended up taking yeah. something just because I, I had to I had to just find some sort of relief. But um, one thing I will tell you: if you have the ability to access an inversion table it'll change everything about your lower back. Mm. I mean, I bought one for like 180 bucks on Amazon. It's got like uh, on the actual uh, back support, it's got a, a vibrating and heating pad as well. But um, cause that, that, that back pain for me, man, like uh, my back is finally almost right again. And it's almost been a year and it wasn't even something that like I had a 25 pound dumbbell in my hands. But it could have been all the wear and tear up until that point, you know, all the heavy deadlifting and squatting in the past. And what ends up happening, uh, just just being alive long enough, the compressive effects of gravity take its toll. Around around 30 to 35, you'll just start waking up. Even if you don't have a back injury, even if you weren't an athlete, you're just going to start waking up with lower back pain and stiffness. Right. But the anti, the decompression, it's anti-gravity. It, it, just, it just reverses the effects of gravity. And I think it's the single best investment you can make for your fitness and health long-term because uh, you know, knee pain is awful. Shoulder pain is awful. Um, but lower back pain is crippling. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and, and just, you mentioned it, like this would be, I, I can send you the link to the one I have a- after the show, but like, uh, I'll tell you what, man, like I, I do it mostly daily. And, and then if I go for a couple days without it, it gets tight. Mm, okay. And uh, it just creates the space that you had, when you were young that you no longer have between your discs anyway. Um, okay. so you're dealing, you dealt with the back pain. Are you still dealing with back pain today? Um, you know, I, I have my days, you know, where things are a little stiff, but you know, from everything that I've learned from you, man, as far as like recovery massage, like mobility stuff, um, I'm in, in probably the best place that I've been as far as like nagging, like little pains and aches and, and whatnot. But with the back, you know, I do have my days. So that, that inversion table sounds like something I could really utilize. Oh man, no, it's, and by the way, the whole family can use it. Um, it's, it's great for the whole family. And uh, again, like this one on Amazon for 180 bucks, like there's some really high priced options out there. Like the, the teeter brand that you see in the infomercials is like six or 700 bucks. But um, I mean, I, I do it pretty much after all of my walks. I, I and I just, I, I invert for 10 minutes. It's very meditative. Like, uh, it, it's great for your breathing because you're actually breathing against gravity. Um, so like to send air into your diaphragm, which is inverted, um, it's, it's a great breath resistance workout. Um, 
and, and you can start with like a, and there's five levels too on it. Like in terms of like how, how far you go back, of course I went right away to level five and 10 minutes. <laughs> um, but you know, my wife will jump on it sometimes and just go to like one, two or three and for a couple minutes and you, you feel instant relief. And it's just, it's just one of those things, man. Like you don't want to deal with lower back pain because again, what, what happens when people are in pain is they can't move. They have to, they, they can't move. They gain weight. They end up, um, looking for outlets to deal with the pain, which is typically drugs, alcohol, food, and it's just a right. vicious cycle. Like, uh, so you're, you're caught in this cycle and you gained a lot of weight. You got out of shape. Like what happened there? Yeah. So I'm caught in the cycle. Um, you know, obviously the drinking and whatnot, but also just, just eating like shit, man. Like I, um, was kind of just escaping through food as well. So a lot of fast food, like, Things that I knew I shouldn't be consuming, but you know what I mean? Like I was just trying to get that dopamine or whatever, not making the best choices when I was under the influence, obviously. So um, I wind up getting to at my most, I think I was uh, 279. So I'm um, I'm 6'5", you know, my playing weight, I fluctuated between like 225 to 230, like in college, you know what I mean? So to to put on, you know, like 50 plus pounds for me was like drastic and then just the how it affects your self-esteem and you look at yourself in the mirror and it's obviously like health isn't just about how your body looks and whatnot, but to to go from a place where you were a pretty fit person to then see what you look like at this point and to know for the most part, it was all self-inflicted. Like I was the one choosing to escape the reality and then now the byproduct is me. I can't even recognize myself when I look in the mirror. And uh, how old are you now? Um, so I am at this point probably, so my daughter's probably like 28. This is like 10, 10 years ago. It's been a long journey. So you're, you're approaching your 40s. Yeah, man. I'm 38, man. I'm 38. I'm on the, the smart side of 30. Let me tell you something. I've been, uh, I got, I got a $10 per month gym membership, uh, mainly just to access. Um, I love, uh, I love the Stairmaster or the step mill. Oh man. Right. Dude, like I, I love, cause you know, I'm a big fan of continuous lunges and step ups, but it just gives you a rate you can work against. But, like with boxing, I'd say boxing and that are like my two favorite cardio workouts, but I, all, mainly because they have a sauna and, in this sauna, man, like every time I go in the sauna and I see men my age in a sauna with me, I, I'm so thankful that I take that I, I got into fitness because the mm. bodies I'm seeing, bro, it is it is depressing. <laughs> there was one guy there's in the last week. There were three different people that that started doing the Lord's Prayer. I, I shit you not, they, they, they recited the Lord's Prayer in the sauna. <laughs> I'm like, and you're coming like, <sighs> and like you know, the key to the key to making it in the sauna is you have to just you got to totally focus on your breath. You got to relax all your muscles, and you got to you know because you got to keep your heart rate down because right. it's going to jump up fast as as your body tries to cool itself. And I've been going in there to prep my body for these desert summers. Um, because, you know, it gets, it, it gets to the point in June where it never goes below a hundred and it's like up to 120 during the day. And, uh, there are real benefits to training in the heat, but you can only do it for so long and you've got to prepare your body for it. But every time I go in the sauna and I'm just like, man, your body is your temple because, uh, just the, the breathing, uh, 
<laughs> just the, the the bodies of most men our age, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, man. No, it's 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 unfortunate when you kind of look around and obviously you don't want to judge people and you don't know their circumstances and stuff, but it definitely makes you very grateful for, you know, if you're if you make the decision to take care of yourself and understanding that, you know, what I'm doing at 38 is going to lead to the life that I live at 48, 58, and so on. And like, I want to be fully functional for as long as possible, God willing. So um, that's where I'm at with like just trying to do the things on a daily basis to keep me at least at this point. And then you probably went through a series of, you know, lost the weight, gained it back. Like, did you yo-yo for a while before you met us or? Um, or yeah. You... My bad. No, go, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so I did definitely did the yo-yo thing. Um, the, the through line for me, even while I was going, you know, through the addictions and kind of working through all of that was I've always been connected to like personal, personal development, health and wellness, you know, mindset stuff. So I, I'm, I was learning about all these things. Right. And the way it looked is like for three to four days out of the week, like I'm on point, I'm studying, I'm reading, I'm, I'm eating pretty good. But then, you know, the weekend approaches and like all that shit goes to the wayside. So um, I was, I started to work out again, like little by little. And what um, gave me like a, a push towards that was, um, I guess to rewind a little bit, like I, I really fell in love with the Joe Rogan experience. And through his podcast, like I was exposed to just the world of podcasts. And so now I start like searching for like health and wellness related podcasts and like motivational and inspirational stuff. And I started to learn from this one show, it's called the Model Health Show about just your body's ability to heal through food and through, through movement as long as, you know, you're adjusting it for where you're at, you know, with injuries and those kind of things. So um, over time, I was able to slowly like build my body back up. Um, and I used to experiment with different diets and, and you know, cleaning up things and, and getting a little bit more consistent with how I ate. And, you know, little by little, I would make progress. But because this monkey was still on my back, man, like something would happen. And it, and it usually was around the holidays because historically, just because of the partying and all the, the celebrations around that time, my drinking just ramped up. So at the beginning of the year, it's like I found myself back at square one and it's like I can never get over that hump. So I would lose like 10 to 15 pounds and then put it back on and lose it. And up until um, working with you, man, I was never able to get um, below 260. And, uh, you know, last summer I was I was I touched 230 for the first time since college. So that was huge for me. Dude, that's amazing. Let, let me uh, rewind briefly because you know, I, I personally don't listen to podcasts. Um, I, I, that's not true. I listen to a Lakers podcast. I'll listen to Jeremy Scott's podcast every once in a while. Um, but I'm just not a big podcast guy. Uh, what What is it that you like about the Joe? Because obviously it's so popular. Um, what, do you, what, what do you like about the Joe Rogan podcast? Like what, what really resonates with you? Yeah, so the, the thing that stood out for me, um, I actually started listening when he was still – recording from like his house and he had like just a couple people like close friends on or whatever so i was there for like the evolution of it before it took off and became like as big as it is now but 
I like people who are layered, right? Like, and that's what connected me to you, man. Like, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll talk about like how I found you, but I like Joe Rogan because he's a comedian. He's super intelligent. You know, he'll have a, a scientist on one episode. Then he'll have a comedian on. Then he'll have somebody like who's um, um, a religious scholar. Then he'll have like a porn star on. So I got to hear like these long form conversations that were nuanced with people as opposed to just like writing somebody off for like just a couple sound bites that you heard online. Um, so I just really enjoyed like learning about different people from all walks of life and like really hearing their stories. And then from there, like he would have guests on and then his guests had podcasts. So now I'm listening to his guests and like that just kind of opened up the, the, the door for me for podcasts. And I've said it before, like, I feel like podcasts saved my life in a way because I was, I just became like obsessed with listening to things that were empowering me and like opening my mind to different things with like consciousness and like spirituality and health, wellness, like all types of stuff. Yeah, I mean, we were talking before we started recording, like the, the podcast medium is arguably the most powerful because of the deep, the depth that you can go into, right? These, you know, we're not just talking like a 15 second video or a 10 minute YouTube video. Um, you know, speech is powerful stuff. And especially because of the way people consume it typically, right? They'll, they, they listen when they commute, they listen while they're doing chores or working out. Like it, it can become something that they can just plug into their current life. And then it becomes kind of their white noise you know, right. but what you don't realize is even if people aren't like listening intently, um, it's propaganda, right? Like, and propaganda can be good. It can be bad. It depends who's delivering the message, right? But you can really yeah. uh, brainwash people with your ideas. And that's why it comes with a great source of responsibility because people will believe, you know, with, with you know, if you're famous or you are quote unquote an expert, they will believe anything you fucking say if you can sell it. You know, right. it can be very dangerous. And we, we've seen... You know, we're, we're in a time now where like deep fakes are just a thing and, you know, people will, will tell you uh, something is true when you know it's a lie. I mean, it, it's a it's a scary time to be alive if you don't have critical thinking ability. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely, man. And it's it's funny you, you mentioned brainwashing and like there was a, a switch that went off for me at one point where I was looking at the things that I was consuming, like outside of like obviously like my diet and, and, you know, drinking and those kind of things. I started like thinking about like, all right, I'm at this particular place. Like how can I brainwash myself to the point where like, I can slowly start to make these changes so that like the only thing I'm thinking about is like health and wellness and like mindset and motivation and inspiration. And like, just, I stopped watching the news. Like I stopped following like random shit on, on social media. Like that wasn't empowering. And that's been like a huge strategy for me as far as just like revamping my life. And I, I feel like I've really brainwashed myself for um, kind of the life that I'm living and like the message that I, I share right now with just people that I, I come in contact with. Absolutely, man. That's, that's key. It's like, you know, we know the quote, people say this all the time. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, or your income is the average of the five people you spend the most time with. But uh, the, 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 the media you consume makes a big difference in terms of your mental state, your perspective, your attitude. Um, and much like you, I, 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 there was a period of time where I was watching a lot of news, 
then then we went through 2016 and i was like i'm done bro i'm done with <laughs> I, I i keep in touch with uh i'll do like a weekly show that kind of gives you uh a rundown of what's going on and you know that has some different perspectives but just to stay in the loop but right i'm all about you know that's why i, I love watching for me like there's nothing better then like I love to follow a team and then follow them a the whole season and watch those games and do my recovery during the games and unwind and decompress. And, you know, people call it a distraction, you know, for me too, it's just, I like to plug into motivational shit, you know, um, I, I'm right now I'm, 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 I'm on the fourth run through of the last dance. Um, you know, like uh, the content you consume matters and, you know, people are, one of my big frustrations as someone in, in uh, whether it be the fitness space, or just the online creator community is that there's just so much shit and there's so much competing ideas and to do well, like, and I know this and I, I, I still haven't like uh, followed, followed it because I just, for some reason I can't, but you need a gimmick, you need gimmicks and people need to um, people need to go that route if they want to make a lot of money or make a big impression in a space. Right. And it's just, it's so, uh, I don't know, like, it, it's it's just, it sucks in some ways that you can't just be, like, you know, they say be authentic, but you can't just be authentic. You, you need gimmicks. You need right. a gimmick or you need someone to put you on. Um, and I know that's it's, it's kind of a long, winding uh, rant on what we're talking about, but it's the content you, you listen to, watch matters, even if you're not, like, intently engaging with it it can completely uh inundate exactly and um i think a lot of people aren't aware of like how much of an impact that it has you know what i mean like i um i just started thinking about it at one point after probably somebody talking about it and i really sat with that and i was like all right what are the things that i'm consuming and um you know yeah i just look around at other people and i feel like there's all the mindless scrolling and, and you know some of the things i try to bring up through the content that i uh, post is just like be more aware of what you're doing and consuming on a, on a daily basis because that's what's gonna show up in your life for the most part yeah i mean we're all we're all basically attention whores now that's it <laughs> that, that's the life we live we're all trying to get attention we're all trying to break through the noise and we're constantly being uh, bombarded with conflicting information on all topics. And, uh, you know, that, that's the thing. Like, so you, you got to be basically, uh, you got to basically be a, a, a counterpoint to get attention these days because, look, we'll keep moving on, but it is what it is. <laughs> and, and, and I say this because, you know, you're, you're someone who definitely strikes me as, uh, an authentic person, but someone who understands the power of your voice and what it means. And so, you know, obviously you're at this point now where you said you couldn't get below 260. And so what do you end up doing for yourself? Cause you're, you're in great shape now. Like you're, you're dude, you're, you're, you're locked in like to be almost 40 and look the way you do. Um, you're a blessed individual. I know it's a lot of work, but, um, Obviously, you, you figured out what it was. What, what's the secret sauce for you? What unique combination of, of inputs gets you that result? Yeah, no, I appreciate it, BJ. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I tr try to make it quick. You know, my wife and I decided to re relocate back in 2016. So at this point, like, things got even worse with the drugs and the alcohol. Um, you know, we wound up having to move to a, a, an area that 
I was not proud of, man. Like I, I grew up in the suburbs, you know, my, my dad made good money. He, he provided for us in a certain way that we had a lifestyle that I was accustomed to. And then to fast forward, you know, now I'm struggling financially to the point that my wife and I have to move ourselves and our daughter to like pretty much the hood. I, I was living in Newark, New Jersey, and literally you would walk out my front door and there were prostitutes, people selling drugs, like all types of shit. Um, so it just really like took a, a toll on me, man, just as far as a provider. And so my wife has family down in Florida. We visited a few times and she um, threw out the idea that, you know, we should move down here. We, we were living up in, in the Northeast. It was always cold. We were kind of, you know, we're due to maybe move to a warmer climate and, and take that on. So um, in 2016, we relocated to Florida right after my son was born. Um, and that was the, the, the biggest catalyst at that point to start to make some, some radical shifts. Um, just from not being associated with the people and the environment and all the things that I identified with, like the, the things I was trying to work through. And um, it's not to say that, you know, just because we moved, like things changed overnight. Like I still had stuff that I had to to work through as far as my addictions. And um, this is something I'm going to have to work to, through for the rest of my life. I'm, like I'm aware that it's it's deeper than just like something you can um quote unquote, like figure out and then move past. Like, I do believe it's a disease in a sense. And it's something that, um, you know, I've, I've got to take on uh, head on for the rest of my life. But um, fast forward a little bit. In 2020, I reached out for support with my drinking for the first time ever. So I found some online communities. And uh, again, podcasts. Um, if I could give a shout out for this podcast, maybe for anybody who's who's struggling with addiction, uh, specifically drinking, it's called Re Recovery Elevator. And it's a community of people sharing their testimonials about how they overcame addiction. And then they have an online support group where you can go in, you connect, there's Zoom meetings, they give you resources and tools to start to work through your addictions and all the problems that you have. And um that was the first time that I just said, you know what, like, I can't figure this out on my own. So I signed up for that group. And uh, there was something about just finally being able to be transparent about what I was struggling with and not have like guilt and shame associated with it. Like I was a broken person or like something was wrong with me because, you know, alcohol had a grip on my life. Um, so I, at that point, still a lot of work to, to go through and to be done because it's, it's you know, close to 20 years of, of drinking and having this pattern, but that was the major shift. So I would say um, moving down to Florida and then reaching out for support with drinking specifically. Let, let's take a, a pause to talk about the most, in my mind, arguably the most important factor in all problems people are facing, which is environment, man. Environment is everything. There was a, uh, I read this, this article about Vietnam vets and a lot of them got, you know, they got addicted to heroin while they were out there. And typically right. heroin is something that, you know, uh, nine out of 10 people will never beat. Once you, once you're addicted to heroin, it, it's, it's a problem for the rest of your life. Only one out of 10 people could beat it. But what happened when these Vietnam vets came back home is only one out of 10 of them continued with the heroin addiction. It literally flipped because the trigger was Vietnam. The hell that was being in Vietnam, fighting that, that unwinnable war, 
the loss, the horrific, uh, just, the, the, just the awful stuff that was happening. But when they relocated back to the States, only one out of 10 of them had an ongoing heroin problem. Change of environment, right? Like, um, you know, it, it, for, for me, I always wanted to get the fuck out of where I was from because there's so much baggage associated with where I came from, my family, stuff like that. Um, basically, moving unlocked the next life for me and unlocked the ability to just kind of separate from all of that and just... You know, it's it's the energy of it. It's the the memory of it. It's the stain of it. Um, it, it. Look, I know it's not easy to move. I get it. I've moved all over the fucking country. I, I went from Milwaukee to Pennsylvania. We've done multiple moves in California. Really happy with where we are right now. But I credit a big part of my mental, my ability to maintain my mental health, my physical health. Um, environment has been a big part of that as we've gotten, you know, older, you know, living in a warm place year round and what that does for me in terms of just um, mood, the, the desire to want to move, you know, it's just, it's everything. And yeah, I know it's difficult, but like, if you don't, if you don't like where you live and you live in a toxic environment and you're not setting a plan in place to get the fuck out of there, in my mind, there's nothing you can do to escape that life. Absolutely. Yeah, man, that was the, um, no, my bad. No, 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 no. Go, go ahead, man. Uh, obviously, you made you made the big move. We're, we're in Florida. Yeah, so we're we're in Central Florida. Um, we're in. It's called Deltona. So we're probably like twenty five minutes out of Daytona. Um, it's probably the closest place people would uh, um, recognize. And you guys are loving it. You're enjoying it. Yeah, man, I love it down here. Um, like you said, man, there's just something about being in nice weather, like having sunshine. You know, more often than not throughout the year that lends itself to an active lifestyle. And, um, you know, when I was in Jersey, I used to walk, you know, every now and then. Um, but ever since moving to Florida, even before, you know, joining, um, you know, uh, Daily BJ, like I, I used to walk or I, I walked just because like you want to get outside and move. It's nice. So it's it was one of the best things to do just as far as like adding in that extra movement um, just because you you open your door and it's nice outside. Dude, I feel you, man. Like my, my my dog is probably she's probably waiting for me outside this door of my office for for a midday walk because you know again like it just getting outside just allows you to kind of get away from all the bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and uh, as someone who grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I mean, there's just like six months of the year where you just don't want to go outside. And what else do you do? People they drink, <laughs> they eat. They find ways to cope and uh, it is what it is. But you you said you joined the dailybj.com and uh, this is the part of the show where everyone listening is like, oh, great. Here comes here comes the sales pitch where BJ here. <laughs> His tactics are better than everyone else's. But, uh, obviously, like something resonated with you uh, and, and you found success. And by the way, you can find success with any fucking program as long as you work the program. It doesn't fucking matter what it is. You know, you got to train the whole body. You got to find a diet that's protein and produce based, and you got to find a way to uh, have something else you can tap into outside of structured exercise that inspires you. Maybe it's basketball, maybe it's hiking, maybe it's just some sort of outside the gym activities that allow you an outlet that isn't so structured or, um, you know, rigid, right? And, and those three factors can combine into becoming a lifestyle. Um, 
but what, what was it for you uh, that helped? I mean, I'm just curious. Um, yeah, I think like your program came around at like the perfect time for me. So like I was already kind of working out at home at that point, um, doing a couple of things. And um, I've been a, a, a reader of men's health for like years. So I think that's how like I first came across you somehow or whatever. And then when I was working out at home, I just kind of searched in YouTube for like at home workouts, found you that way. And then I started following you on IG. And this is probably the time where like, you know, maybe you were sharing a little bit more of yourself, like your personality and stuff. And I gravitated towards that because like I said before, like I, I like seeing people who are layered and like, you know, not just, oh, I'm just a personal trainer. Like I gotta be serious all the time or whatever. So I love how like, you don't take yourself too seriously, but but you're you're a fucking master at what you do at the same time. So it was just fun to like see a different approach to what I normally saw from personal trainers. Um, and then you won me over, you know what I'm saying? When you started um, singing and like you were actually like good and like seeing how much you enjoyed it. And I know like some people weren't messing with it, but like, I was like, I like this guy a lot, man. And like, I just started following more and more and then just made the decision um, to sign up for the for the program. You know how much money I lost because I, 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 I sang <laughs> for a couple years? I'll never recover that money, bro. I lost 100,000 potential customers. Oh, shit. So, uh, you know, that's one of, again, I, I'm sharing this because I know you're pursuing, uh, you know, making, making a living as an online creator. And we're told be authentic and... You know, and, and if you're if you're someone who comes upon me right now, like there's no personality in what I do. There's <laughs> zero personality. It's just fucking content. It's just educational content. And um, I've done everything in between. I, I've tried uh, going the entertainment route. Uh, I've tried mixing them, you know, and now it's just like, you know, I'll just be about making the money, uh, playing it safe. Um, I, I don't really know what the best approach is, man. Like, and then by the way, like, sometimes things just change. I'm older now. Like, I don't really like when I, like five years ago, I loved getting attention. I loved right. like coming up with an idea that would make someone laugh. And now it's just like, I'm like, okay, what do I have to get done today? There's like 10 things I got to get done that are important. I got at least five of these done. Then I got to find a way to work out, uh, maintain this fucking body at this old ass age. And I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. Um, and then, you know, part of it too is a lot of it is what's the climate like? Like I can just, I can tell you from my perspective of things, like I know my audience, they don't, they don't really work out anymore. <laughs> they don't really give a fuck about fitness anymore since the pandemic. That's my audience. I can't speak to a lot of other people in my space. Like they had the best couple years of their, their business lives or careers during the pandemic. For me, I found it to be the exact opposite. Um, it may have just been the fact that most of my audience was like between 35 and 44 they approached midlife crisis. Many of them had uh, young kids during this pandemic, which I'm sure added an, an extra level of hell to what was, you know, basically like a two year plus prison sentence um, at home. Um, so, you know, dude, it, it's I, I don't I don't know what the answer is, because if, if, if it's being authentic means, OK, I like to sing. So let me sing. Um, it did not help my business. <laughs> In fact, um, <laughs> I lost 100,000 plus potential customers. Um, yeah. you know, so who knows? 
and that's why ultimately you've got to decide. And by the way, you're going to, you got to try everything, right? You try and, but it's funny because, you know, I found someone like you who I consider a superstar and someone that I was blessed to be able to reach, you know, cause what, and then the day man, like, yeah, it's a business. It's a business is all about making money. I don't care what anybody says. That's the most important part of any fucking business is making money. Now, if you can, in, in the process of making money, impact people or share uh, wisdom experience or protocols or techniques or methods that allow people to get the most out of their lives or unlock the ability to do things they've always wanted to do. That's awesome too. Right. But it is about making money. And, you know, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't share any of this shit if I didn't, if I was set. Right. <laughs> Why would I waste my time? And to <laughs> say it like, well, that that's, that's an awful mindset, but it's like, no man, like I'm about taking care of my family. I'm about living a certain lifestyle. Um, and along the way of trying to do that, especially online, because dude, it is tough. Like, uh, the, I, I still have not figured out how to make my personality translate online. I probably never will because I'm not a social person. If I could live the life of my dreams without seeing anyone ever again, besides my wife, my little brother, a couple close friends, I'd be cool. I would be cool with that and my dogs. Um, but anyway, it is funny that, um, cause I, I still get people that say it. Oh, I, I love when you showed your personality. Well, most people seemingly that were willing to spend money on fitness did not. I don't know what the fuck to do. So, um, you know, I, no, I you got to respect that. I, I share that. Cause it's like, I don't know, man. Like at the end of the day, it's just, as long as, um, to me, what authentic means is it's not necessarily are it's just being um the truest version of yourself with what you're working at right so like uh i'm gonna give to me authenticity means i'm gonna be honest with you about fitness i'm gonna call the bullshit when i see it and i'm gonna share what i think is the best approach and you may disagree um but there's also so much dangers to being authentic right now because dude you and i are both one word we are one <laughs> word away from being wiped off the face of the fucking earth. <laughs> We're one word away. And, and podcasts are super dangerous for that, too, because you're talking for sometimes an hour plus. It's not easy to not, like, slip up once. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, Miles is like, okay, I, basically, he's convincing me not to pursue my online. <laughs> but, no, it's, just, it, it's crazy because we live in this world now, and it's just confusing. What is the best approach? Um, and... Uh, how do, how do I share, how do I share myself properly online versus the way that, you know, I do with people that love me. And, and it's, I wish I knew the answer. It, it's not easy, man. No, it's not, man. And like, I, you know, it's, it's tough because people don't get enough grace. Also, it's like, I, I, I understand that like, you know, maybe there are people that you got to like write off and cancel and like, they do something that's like really like, you know, you just can't, um bounce back from those kind of things but like a lot of the stuff is like at least in my opinion it, it's it's outraged just to be outraged um and again like i don't even like voicing my opinion on stuff like this because then i like i, I don't want i don't want to have to deal with like anyone misconstruing my interpretation or like my perception of what's going on but 
you know what I mean, man? It's definitely difficult to figure out how to share yourself. And, and obviously you got to do what you need to do for your business, first and foremost, for your family. Um, but I will say, man, I will forever know what to do if my joint starts acting like a home. Okay? So... Oh, that was that was the a good fact. You know that 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 stuck with me and my wife, and um, you know it's obviously it's not for everybody, but um, we enjoyed it, and I think that's what attracted us to you. And um, just to mention my wife, like we we work out together, and she's part of the the whole like she's a gorilla corn as well, man. And she's sometimes she'll she'll say like, oh, I miss like when BJ used to you know joke around a little bit. And like you know she doesn't necessarily listen to the podcast so she doesn't hear like you know the reasons behind some of the shifts you made with just your approach um but you know we uh we we like both sides i appreciate it man yeah no i mean honestly it's probably it's probably difficult for people to to, to understand too because again I, i've been open about the mental health problems i i had battled uh over the last couple of years and then also that that fundamentally changed me um, in terms of, you know, like, and by the way, this, this just happens. I, I see this. I was just watching the, the, the particular episode of Last Dance, and by no means am I comparing myself to Michael Jordan. But he was talking about how he just got to that point in his career in 98 where it's like, okay, I've been on this pedestal, and now all I want to do is just go crawl into a hole and never see someone again. At some point, <laughs> like, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years, man. And I was also on the biggest fucking health and fitness platform for about seven years. Two years in a very intense way where, like, you know, it's millions of people seeing you daily. And uh, the end result of it was that I just wanted to get – I never wanted to be around people less. You know what I'm saying? Like, you get super protective and private, um, even more so than, uh, you know – then you can, in some ways you can possibly imagine. Um, and, you know, I, I guess where I was going with that is uh, <laughs> you got to be careful what you wish for in some, some ways. And, but at the same time too, it also is an evolution. It's just an evolution too. Like um, you become an old head and you just don't really give a fuck about the small, you know, what's imp- I know what's important now. And I, I know you're approaching that stage in your life, too. Like, I'll tell you what, like, uh, if you're not there yet, there is a midlife crisis coming your way with 40 years old. 40 is, is, is different, <laughs> man. Like, it just hits different, and it makes you really look at this first. If you're, lucky to, if, you, if you're lucky to live an average life of 76 to 80 years old, it's halfway through your life, and you reflect on everything you've done until this point, and you reflect on what that next half could look like. And uh, there's a lot of reflection and there's a lot of, you know, I guess, I guess reflection is is the big word and prioritization becomes next level because you don't have as much energy as you used to. So you got to be very like, I basically you get into this like mode where you're just conserving energy all day long. I'm conserving energy. So to like to laugh or make a joke, that's energy. And, you know, I'm hungry. I'm tired. <laughs> like when you see me in these fucking videos now, like all like face you probably see is just like, I can't wait to fucking eat. <laughs> can't wait to eat. Um, but yeah, I, 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 to tell your wife, I apologize that I'm just like the soulless uh, fitness personality now, but you know, 
I still try to do exercise at the highest level. And who knows? Maybe things will change in the future. Maybe the mood of the climate um, will change. Uh, you know, but but it is what it is, man. Like, at the end of the day, too, like, there's no money in entertainment. Right. <laughs> Except for, like, 10 people. But, um, so, you know, we were talking about this before the call. Like, you know, daily singles and jabs. I, I, I look at, too, when... Um, when I was most effective at men's health, and again, a lot of that audience I've, I've carried over, and, and that, that's a very—it's a very conservative audience. It's—it's it's a very—it's uh, a mostly white audience. It's a mostly male audience, obviously, um, and it probably didn't really make sense for me to sing mostly black music. <laughs> I'm a fan of black music. What I, what I like to sing along to, and I'm not very good at it, but um, you know, uh, what they liked was me just like sharing something every day that could make them better in the gym, better as a man. Uh, and that's kind of what I went back to. And, uh, you know, it, it's a safe play, but it, it's it's something that I, I also like, I think I can maybe find some longevity in. And uh, and again, I share this all with you because I know you're, you're just starting to build your brand. And early on, it's all about doing whatever you can take, whatever you can think of, to get attention, get more views, more likes, more shares, more followers. But if it's not something that you can see yourself doing one, three, five, ten years from now, because um, if you change on these people in any way, bro, like they will fucking leave. Right. They will leave you. And uh, and then what, what, what were you at then? So anyway, on a more important topic, you and I share something else in common. We both have Puerto Rican wives. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, are you based? Are you being yelled at all day, or is it just me? <laughs> um, I mean, not not as much as before. Um, my wife has evolved a lot as far as her temperament since we we first got together. But man, like that that spark, like that that flavor, like that was what attracted me to her to begin with. So it's like I never want her to completely like stray from that because that's where like kind of like the excitement and the flame is at but man um there are times when like you know it's a little it's a little much you know what honestly man like for someone like me who's very stubborn and uh relentless uh it's really refreshing to have someone tell you about yourself <laughs> and that that's what you'll get with uh, at least with my puerto rican wife and uh yeah the other aspect too the real x factor is they know how to move their hips and I'll just leave it at that. Oh yeah. I'll just leave For it at sure. that. But uh, <laughs> where, where's your wife from? Uh, she's Puerto Rican. So um, as far as her family, I don't know exactly where in Puerto Rico, um, but we met, you know, her mother had moved up to, uh, to New Jersey. Her mom and dad, you know, were up there and uh, she was born and raised in Jersey. Amazing, man. Um, and, uh, you know, I just saw a video you posted on Instagram today at the time of recording this. You guys are doing the the three-way plank to push-up transfer together as a couple. And uh, like, <laughs> what does that do for your relationship when you train like that together? Man, it's it's been the most crucial part of us maintaining, like, a happy and, and, and healthy marriage because we're both busy. She works a full-time job. I work a full-time job. We're raising, you know, two kids. I got a 12-year-old, a seven-year-old. So a lot of times, you know, you look at your day 
and you're you're both going in different directions, but it's really beautiful to be able to start the day working on ourselves together and like to see the evolution all, over time of like how we're both getting in better shape and like our bodies are changing and like her self-esteem's going up, my self-esteem's going up. And then like, we have a good time while we're there too, man. Like the thing I love about my wife is, you know, she's got a great sense of humor. Um, she's got a huge heart. So she's just like a fun person to be around. And the fact that like she bought in, there was a little resistance the first year, I'm not gonna lie. Like she's a gorilla corn this year. You know, after last year, you know, she kind of like graduated. But the first year, you know, she wasn't necessarily like all in. But man, like the last couple of uh, last couple of months, man, we just been locked in, especially um, we both did the 28 day shred program like she she killed it. You know what I mean? So it's it's amazing just to have like my ride or die um, right next to me on the, the fitness and health tip, you know, along the way. Look, man, I'm no relationship expert, but um, the first girlfriend I had has become my 20-year partner thus far in counting. We just uh, hit our uh, wedding anniversary recently, but I've been with Naomi since 2002. And, um, you know, one of the key factors, I think, for us, besides, you know, there's a lot of humor. We, 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 we love to make fun of each other ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. We're very self-aware. We have a lot of really deep, intelligent conversation. Um, and we both fought hard to take care of ourselves, to keep that spark. Um, there's, look, we're all going to get old, wrinkly, fat, and ugly at some point. Um, but, you know, I think it's important um, to remember where it all started and to always put your best foot forward and take care of yourself. Um, if not for yourself, um, if you're looking for some motivation, you know, uh, you do it for your partner. Um, and uh, I think those are, in my opinion, three important factors. Some people might call that superficial, um, but, you know, it's, it's a big part of uh, being in a relationship. And, uh, I, you know, I wonder what was it for her that you said, like, was kind of into it. And then what was there something that like clicked for her or was it just, you know, enough time had passed where like the habits started to kind of take effect? Yeah, I think it was a combination of the two. You know, she she doesn't come from an athletic background, so there wasn't. Um, she wasn't able to just tap into like the muscle memory of like discipline and dedication and like putting in the work necessarily when it came to like the physical standpoint. But I think over time, just being exposed to the workouts, she started to feel how her body was moving better first. And for her, that was like an aha moment, like, man, like, cause she's a mail carrier. So she's out and about on her feet all day. And a lot of the people that she works with, are you know 15 20 years into that career and she's looking at the shape that their bodies are in and she's like you know what i don't want to be like that so i'm going to make sure i'm doing everything i can at this point to take care of myself and so what's so great about your program is like all of the work that you do as far as preventative work all the mobility stuff like um, training like all the small muscles and joints like you know, working on our scaps over the last two years, like she used to have shoulder issues. So she just started to see the results um, outside of just like the body composition, but how she was able to move and feel. And then once, you know, she got that, she got locked in. You know, it's crazy, man. Um, 
I call I call it year three. Year three is where anything I pursued intensely is when like shit starts to tip. Breathing, boxing, my original pursuit of fitness, um, football, weightlifting. Um, like year three is where you really start to separate yourself from everyone else because you you've shown okay. I, you just, you put in the repetition, the reps are in, I don't, you know, people see the 10,000 hours or whatever the hell that is. But, um, I, and that, that, by the way, that's why this is so tough because and I like to be upfront with people about this. Look, you can do this 28 day fucking plan. You can do this for a year. Great. But like really around year three is when things start to click and things start to get fun because you get good enough at it that it actually, it actually gives you the, the completion of it. Isn't just getting it done. It, it actually, makes you feel good about yourself in a way that, oh, wow, like there's some true skill acquisition going on here. Like, dude, like I, I just made this heavy bag from Hell Workout. I put in so much time into boxing, not just myself, but teaching it. Um, spent a year working on it with a pro. Um, initially shared some video of me boxing and got fucking laughed off the internet. And, and when I start to look back at some of the old footage, I'm like, wow, it, I guess they probably should have laughed at me, um, even though I was just sharing a workout I was doing to mix things up. Um, but I look at it now, it's like, holy shit, like this is what this is what I was like trying to get to five years ago. And now I'm just doing it routinely. And uh, it, it's become one of my favorite things to do. But the first three years, you got to fucking suck. And you yeah. got to go through all those moments of time where there's so many other things you could do with your time and you're questioning what, um, but isn't that why it's why there's a three year period. Right. I mean, like I, I, again, that's been my experience that year three has been the breakout year. Um, I don't know if you've uh, experienced it similarly, but at least um, I just think that's the amount of time it takes to accumulate the baseline level repetition to at least now have, a true skill to express consistently. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I um, I was thinking about this the other day and um, looking back at my, my athletic career with basketball, it was my junior year in high school after putting in those first two years and then that third year to finally like learn the game and put it all together. That's where things started to take off and I started to get recognition and, and, and noticed for uh, college though. I feel the same way with being, you know, a gorilla corn now you know, like that first year, all the things that you incorporate into the program were like kind of on my radar as far as like mobility, um, the power of, of breathing and your breathing mechanics, um, you know, functional fitness, like all those things I was messing messing around with. But like to finally have it packaged in a program where they're all being addressed was exactly what I needed. So it's like I was going to school every time that. I was watching a video that you were, you know, instructing us on the next workout or you were teaching us about mobility or about the breathing mechanics. And like, you know, month to month, year to year, I started seeing myself progress and get better. And now, like, that's what I became addicted to. Like with my, you know, my fucking addictive personality. I love seeing the progress that I'm making, like little by little, because like, yeah, I'm about to be 40 in two years, but like, I'm starting to touch back on like things I could do with my body that I couldn't do 
you know, over the last 15, 20 years. And then there's things that I couldn't do even when I was in shape playing ball. So it's like, it, it's, it's interesting how I look at, you know, my, my relationship with alcohol and like all the years that it, it stole from my life. And I was able to function at a pretty high level, like career wise. And like, you know, people around my social circle didn't know the depth of what it was taking away from me from my potential. But there's a there's this thought in my mind that like, hey, man, if you can get your body to a point where like you're fully functional and now you're seeing that you're doing things that you couldn't do before, like you got me doing pull ups, bro. I have a seven foot wingspan and could never do a pull up even when I was in college and I'm about to be 40. So it's like I'm tapping into this um, potential that's been dormant and I'm getting older. And like that's what's getting me excited because it's like you spent the last 20 years like half-assing it. So now you may be able to do more than you've ever done before. You know, honestly, man, like what you're touching on is there might be parts of this podcast people are like, wow, this is this was not the motivation I was hoping for. But <laughs> the, uh, I, 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 will, I will share this. And this is the, you know, um, this is the fucking truth. I have never been better physically at 40 than I am now. And I've never done less hard stuff um and it also the, the it's it, it, there's just a you reach knowledge experience mastery um and I, I mentioned the sauna too and part of what I, I when i go in the sauna i keep a body count because i go in there man and like there's <laughs> 10 to 12 people have come through and i'm still fucking there and because mm. I, I i take it as a little bit of mental training that's really the piece man it's like the mentality that you can build uh, at, by the time you're 40 and beyond, if you're still here and you're still like living, thriving, um, you just have, you have so much brain power, um, available to you. And especially if you, you've built some skills along the way, you've, you've worked on your breathing, you've worked on your movements. Um, you, you've, you've developed your focus because no one has focus. Now I see when I'm in the sauna because no one has like, I, when I get in the sauna, bro, I immediately go into box breath and I can ride mm -hmm. that for an hour. Um, and I see everyone around me and they're, you know, they're, they have to move around or they have to get up, they have to get down their, their mouth is open. Um, but I guess what I'm getting at there is, um, the mental component. uh, you can get so fucking mentally strong at this age that any of the physicality you may have lost, it's not only potentially offset by it, but because of the fact that you do have the ability to know how to conserve your energy better, um, to how to, you know, how to work smarter, uh, which activities have the biggest return. And as I mentioned to you before the call, finding the easiest way, the, just, it's all about finding the easiest ways to get the result. because wh why would you make it harder on yourself than it has to be? And, and that, that's when you're young, when you're young and an, and an idiot and you, it is all about ego. You have to go, the hardest routes to prove yourself to others. And no one gives a fuck about you. That's the thing about like, you realize at 40, man, like no one gives a fuck about you. No one gives a fuck. Your, your, <laughs> your loved ones do. Um, other than that, like the moment you stop adding value to someone's life, they don't give a fuck about you. Um, and, and there's this perspective on like, I, the way I look at exercise now, totally different, totally different. Like, uh, I mean, to me, it's, I mean, 
it, it just blows my mind what I, what I what I thought I used to have to do to look a certain way, perform a certain way, and the reality of what it is today through my experience and wisdom, it blows my mind. I feel like I'm on a fucking cheat code, but it's only because I, I've repeatedly been able to get to year three on, on all of my pursuits that have uh, taken seriously. And once you get to year three, it be, it's a lifestyle. No, absolutely. That's, um, and that's a great call out BJ. Like, if, I, if there's something else that you've taught me over these last three years, it's like, you know, it's really taking the minimal effective dose that you need to to get the result that you need. Like, I was caught up in the the ego stuff of like, you know, the bro science and the bodybuilding when it came to training, like I got to move heavy weight and all that type of shit. And I haven't gone heavier than maybe a, a 30 pound dumbbell over the last three years. And then for certain exercises, maybe like 44 pounds for like a kettlebell. And I'm in the best shape that I've ever been in. I feel the strongest I've ever been. Like, so it's a complete like mindset shift when it comes to what's required to get the results that you're after. Yeah, man, because people think it's about moving weight. No, it's about moving well. And when you move well, the load doesn't matter. And, you know, that, that that's the mindset. And by the way, like part of why I... Um, I got the gym membership. I mentioned the sauna, the stairmaster, um, but also just because I need to, I need to stay somewhat connected to gym culture. I think one of the big goals I face is that most people don't want to work out at home. Ninety-nine percent of people want to go to the gym, right? For for multiple reasons, right? Like some people are, have been stuck in the house, and the last thing they want to do is work out at home. And unfortunately, I built a home workout business like a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> But the reality is 99% of people want to go to the gym. They want to, they want to see uh, other attractive people. They want to meet people. It, it, for some people, it's the only social outlet they'll have in a given day. But I also like to see what's going on um, just to be somewhat connected to like the trends. Cause there was like, I, I hadn't been to a gym in six years and uh, things have changed a lot in six years. Everyone, by the way, every woman I see, <laughs> every woman follows Brett Contreras. The glute, you know, the glute guy. No, I'm not familiar with it. Oh, okay, he, he's known as the butt guy or the glute guy. Um, every woman is hip thrusting. Six years ago, uh, wasn't the case. Everyone's okay. doing fucking hip thrusts. I see women do one hour of different hip thrusts in the gym. Right now. <laughs> um, and then I, I still see, uh, I still see these fucking young guys. Uh, I saw this one dude. He took off his shirt and he was doing some flexing in the mirror at the gym. Look, man, like this, this, this kid was 30 pounds away from having any muscle definition to flex, <laughs> but he's out there. And then he had his friend filming him doing a lat spread. And I'm just like, wow, something, something cabin changed. Um, oh, so it, it, gym culture is fascinating to me. And, um, I prefer to train at home. Um, but most people, they don't want to, they just don't want to work out from home, but the reality is people that end up working out from home, they make it a lifestyle. You know what I'm saying? That because it's just so easy. There, there's no travel. There's no, there's no com competing for equipment. Uh, you have no reservations about pursuing the appropriate style of movements because no one's there to judge you. Um, and it just becomes the easiest way to do it. But, you know, once or twice a week, I do see value in getting out of the house and going to the gym in some cases. Um, and it's just, it's interesting to see anytime someone can like make it a habit at home, 
I'm, I'm super impressed because the reality is people just don't want to do workouts at home. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think about how long it's been since I've actually set foot in a gym. So I, I haven't been to a gym in three years, man. And it didn't even cross my mind that I was missing out on anything. Like, you know, obviously I'm wired a little differently. Like I, when we bought our house, we bought our house in, um, and uh, two years ago and the garage, as soon as we got out, I was like, babe, that's the gym. So we've never had a car in the garage. We just kind of got our dumbbells, you know, the, the pull-up bars, you know, everything that we need as far as working out. We got a huge mat. Um, I'm still waiting on my heavy bag. Um, but I I love just being able to walk from my bedroom, walk across the, the living area and get into the garage and be able to do what I need to do to set myself up for the day. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the way to do it, and um, and and I, I think we talked about environment too. But at the same time, like you can't just you can't just always train at home. You got to find some outdoor outlets. If it's not walking, maybe it's some hiking. Um, and then sometimes I'll I'll just try to take my indoor workout outside. Um, and then lately, I have found it, it has been nice for me to kind of just because there were times over the last couple of years where I I looked, I, I stopped for a second. I'm like, oh shit. I haven't seen anyone or left the house in two or three weeks <laughs> and that's not healthy. So, um, you know, this place is only 10 bucks a month. Um, it's five minutes away and, 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 and just using it for the sauna mainly because you know, that's four or $5,000, not including ongoing maintenance to get one of those at home. I do want to get it home at some point because uh, men are just so fucking disgusting, bro. Like, <laughs> I, I, anything I can do to not be in a hot space with men breathing through their mouth. Um, oh. It's a big goal of mine to get my own sauna at some point, but in the meantime, I'll suck it up. And um, uh, I guess I'll have to listen to uh, listen to the breathing and, uh, and just, <laughs> just seeing the, their bodies and just them dripping. It's just too much. I don't know. I, I don't know how, uh, I don't know how women deal with it or, or other men, if they're into that. Uh, men are men are grotesque, but anyway, um, yeah, man. the uh, the other part to the gym thing too is just like the way social media has taken over the gym, huh. and, and everybody comes in with their fucking their cutest outfit and they got makeup on, and it's just it's just so funny to me. Gym culture to me is just so funny. I hate it, but I, I do find it humorous. Yeah, you got you got me thinking. I might have to get like a membership or something just to check it out and see what's going on these days. Yeah, just to come through and see what's going on. Again, all you'll do is remind yourself of like, um, you know, the way not to do things. Right. Just, when I when I and I just I, I see the I, you see all these guys ripping around weights. They have no they have no true control over, but they think they're making change in their bodies, and they don't realize they're going to just be wearing themselves down. But um, it, 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 it is nice to change you, that that's an element I have not uh, utilized enough in the last couple of years is that sometimes you just got to get out of the fucking house. You got to get out of your current workout environment sometimes and switch it up. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky that I can bounce between indoor, outdoor, uh, land, pool. Uh, and then but but adding in the ten dollar gym membership um, for someone like me with my job uh, at home and stuff, it, it is a good kind of mix up. But. At the end of the day, I'm doing most of the stuff at home always. That'll never change. Right. I'm certainly not doing any traditional workout. Like, I, I'll just use the cardio equipment um, in the sauna, really, because uh, – and also, like, I try to go through, too, like, thank God um, 
there was a time, especially when I was at men's health, I couldn't go to a gym without someone fucking uh, recognizing me. Um, and so far, so good. Like, no one knows me at this fucking gym. It is so refreshing. <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I, I've heard you, you know, talk about that previously on podcasts and stuff. And I know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've, I've experienced similar things, you know, with my dad. You know, he was quasi-famous or whatever growing up. And it's like, you know, you, you appreciate people recognizing you and want to share, like, space and, and tell you how you've impacted their life or whatever. But, you know, I'm just trying to grab a bite to eat right now with my, my, my lady. And, uh, you know, you're making me feel uncomfortable. So I know how it could be sometimes. You, you know my new strategy? Anytime someone... uh comes up i just say oh i'm i don't i don't know who that is <laughs> i'm just gonna i just started i'm i'm at a point now where i just gaslight people um and tell them i'm That's not who funny. they think i am um and by the way some people listening are like this is horrible but um you know like i've never in the history of my life recognized someone and approached them um especially like if they're in the middle of activities Right. Just never done it. I would never like to me, that would be like a huge invasion of privacy. I don't know. But I'm different. And um, I realize it's common for people because they think, oh, they'll want to know that I recognize them. But in reality, the biggest gift you could give me is pretending I don't exist. Right. <laughs> like, I, 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 you're, you're probably like, wow, this guy, he's he's entered like full blown <laughs> misanthrope. <laughs> I am. By the way, that's also what comes at 42, man. You just you start to hate people. It just happens. But um, <laughs> let, let's talk about how you've maintained. And, and by the way, big big part of what I've and what I've read about addiction and behavior modification is, you know, you can't get rid of the compulsive behavior entirely. What you have to do is you have to redirect it, right? And you mentioned right. you you've kind of taken exercise has become one of the outlets for you to kind of take uh what you know com uh, compulsive behavior with uh a negative path versus a more positive path and by, by the way by no means uh are you out of the woods with exercise exercise you can over exercise you can under eat you can overeat right so that there's so many um like that, that same addictive behavior and i i went through it we're like you know like how much exercise punish my body um uh let let me punish myself with exercise after eating poorly right so all these all these habits can 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 kind of bleed into the next thing you do but um what what for you as someone who has battled addiction uh, with substance like what what are, what are some big takeaways for you what like what, give me three to five things that you could share with the audience about how to how you have beaten uh or, or at least, you know, you, you keep it at bay. Right. Um, yeah, man, there's um, definitely a couple things that I try to, to touch or, or utilize on a, on a daily basis when it comes to um, just setting myself up for success. Um, first is, is meditation, man. Like, and it doesn't have to be like, you know, cross your legs, seated meditation, like getting all woo-woo, whatever. Like, that's actually my vibe. Like, I do kind of like the woo-woo stuff and get into like the the weeds with some of the spirituality, but just being able to give yourself space to sit in silence and think about what comes up. Because a lot of times people like get upset with the process of meditation. They're like, oh, but I can't stop myself from thinking. And it's like, yeah, that's not necessarily what you're trying to do. 
you're you're looking to create awareness around what is coming up, right? And then, you know, give yourself time to focus on your breathing and like those thoughts pass. But what happens when you make that a practice, you're able to to translate that into your day-to-day life. So now when you're walking around and like situations pop up and you have these thoughts that you would normally have a knee-jerk reaction, you create like a separation between yourself and making the decision to do something that maybe not be in the best interest of yourself. So, you know, picking up that that drink or if it's not necessarily related to alcohol, you know, making a, a bad decision when it comes to um, a food choice or something like that. So um, one suggestion is to try and figure out some type of practice to raise your awareness around your thinking and habits and choices that you're making on a daily basis. So for me, it's been meditation accompanied with journaling. I got really introspective with just getting in the habit of writing. And there, there, you know, for a while, I, I, I was caught up in thinking like I, I had to structure it a certain way. Um, and a lot of people, you know, it's referred to as brain dumping, where you kind of wake up in the morning or you can do it before you go to bed to kind of unload some of your thoughts, but you're just purging like kind of what's going on inside. And over time, you're able to look back at reoccurring thoughts or reoccurring trends or these patterns that are showing up in your life. And so you're, you're, you're gaining more clarity. Um, I think the through line with what you try to do is, is just to learn as much as possible about yourself learn about the things that set you off. So what are the triggers, whether it's the environment you're around, um, you know, physical environment, the people you're associating with, and then again, just become more introspective about, all right, now I'm hanging out with this person and I start to feel this way. Why is that? Why do I have to lean towards a drink when I'm going out to this social gathering just to be around people to cope? Maybe I didn't want to be there in the first place. Hmm, that's something for me to think about. Like, what's going on there? Why can't I say no to things that I don't want to do? So um, I know that's kind of long-winded, but I think like introspection and self-reflection has been huge. And then, you know, what you touched on, you got to find a replacement, right? So luckily, like I've connected with fitness and being a part of your program, like, had me see myself as that athlete again that I once was. And I was like, listen, man, like this, this makes me feel great. I'm looking better. I'm moving better. Like I'm gonna go all in with this. So that was my main focus. And it's like, there's no way that I could get the results that I wanted and the results that I had gotten had I been drinking the way that I was previously. So it just kind of was like perfect timing. And, you know, it just fell in into... Uh, this particular time in my life that I was ready to like commit to that. Um, now, this isn't to say that like I have um, reached a place of long-term sobriety. So I just posted the other day that I'm on like 90 something days. And what's happened with me over the last couple of years and something that I'm working through is when I create a lot of space between that last drink, it's almost like I forgot about how bad it used to be. So then that's where, you know, having the the journals to look back on and things to remember, like this came up and you did this and, and, and you know, just to be aware of what's going on because 
if you've had the problem as long as I did, normally it's going to take a decent amount of time to like really get through to like what the the root of the the issue is and like to to retrain yourself so it's not these patterns of of um you know making decisions and whatnot so anyway um last december like because i had so much space between the last time i drank i was like oh you know whatever have a drink see what happens and so that was my quote-unquote slip up um nothing crazy happened i just didn't like how i, I felt I was like, I know myself. I know this is going to snowball. I'm going to find myself in a couple of weeks if I just say, you know, listen, you don't need to be doing this. So I made a commitment to myself that this is going to be the first year since I reached out for support that I'm not having a drop of alcohol. And, uh, you know, so far, so good. Like, I see it being successful. I'm locked in. I have a lot of things that I'm looking to create, things that I'm doing right now, you know, outside of my fitness. And, um that's where I'm at with the whole sobriety journey. I love it, man. I, I wish you the best with it. And obviously, you know, it's, I think a big thing you pointed out is, I mean, I think this is so overlooked, man, just self-awareness. And it's, it's realizing in many cases, a lot of people really don't know themselves. Like, and th that's, that's the benefit of, of like, meditation is so meta, right? It's literally the first four letters of the fucking word. <laughs> and it's an impossible concept to grasp. And I, I had trouble with it too. I would laugh at it or discount it. But um, I have always been, uh, whether knowingly or not, a meditative person, a very self-reflective, like inside person, like deep thoughts and reflections. And um, you, you can put it into practice in terms of like, you know, a, a true, like this is, I'm going to go 10 minutes on a meditation or like I'm going to do some breath work or whatever else. But um a lot of people struggle because they just don't, they never allow themselves to, to really get to know themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know that yeah. sounds, it, it's hard, it's hard, but um, I think one of the things I've been blessed with the most is that I've always been a super self-aware person. And when you're self-aware, you know, again, you start to know like, what, what do you like? What don't you like? Uh, what situations are positive for you? What situations uh, are triggers for you? Right. And, and you can't avoid all those situations and you can't always put yourself in, in, in uh, you know, perfect scenarios. But um, what, what I think you touched on that was super helpful. And again, what, what sometimes putting it on paper is what people need to see it. Like there, there's research on this. Like when I was, when I was uh, an obsessive behavior, like I, I got so obsessive in school that I used to go home from school and I would then rewrite my notes for cognition and to really lock in the learning. And then I would also type them up as a backup or a cleaner version of the notes. Like I'm talking like, bro, like six hours of homework a night after a full <laughs> day of school and then two hours of uh, football practice, an hour of lifting. Um, and, uh, but something magical happens when you do put pen to paper. And um, sometimes if you don't see it, it's not real. And it's, it's not the same when you type it out or you put it on your phone, that, that can at least be a workaround in the interim. But um, it sounds like miles, like you've developed a self-awareness that uh, is helping you unlock the ability to, again, lengthen the time between exposures to the alcohol or whatever else. Uh, but also one of the, one of the key things is 
being able to have some and not lose control. Right. So as, as someone who's a food addict, um, you know, to me, some of the biggest progress I've made in my life is I can have a couple slices of pizza and not make it a couple pizza pies. You understand what I'm saying? Like, because the reality <laughs> of, for most people, you're not going to be able to go, like, you can't, it's unlikely most people will go their whole lives without doing something addictive again. We just can, we can have an honest conversation about that. What you hope to do is lengthen the frequency between events and then have the events be something that you can have more control over where it doesn't become binging behavior. You might get sloppy. All right. We all get sloppy from time to time. It's we're human beings. We're not fucking robots, but um, can we, can we make this event, you know, non-traumatic, you know, non, uh, <laughs> non, non-destructive. Right. Uh, and, and if anything, you, you hope to get it to a point where you, like you said, it was a reminder of like, you know what? I'm really glad I don't do this as much as I used to. Right. Yeah, man. That's um. That's where I feel I'm. I'm at. I um. I don't try to set hard um rules or like expectations around like what my sobriety looks like. Um, but for me, I know how these last few months have been going and how great I'm feeling spiritually. How great I'm feeling in my body. Like what's going on in my relationships. Like, you know, a lot of cool things have been happening. So. I, I'm like you said, I'm very self-aware. If I was drinking, even if it was occasionally, even like losing the momentum. So I think that's what it is. I mean, you got me like thinking about like what's going on. It's like, I don't want to lose the momentum that I build up because now I got a hangover one day. And it's like, it, all it takes is like one day kind of like throw you off. And especially when it comes to alcohol because it's, it's a depressant. So now your thoughts are fucked up. And, you know, if you if you battle any type of mental health stuff, then you just, you know, adding fuel to the fire. So um, I think that's what's going on with me. I don't want to mess up what I've been building, you know, whether it's with my relationships, um, with, you know, what I'm trying to do is with coaching, uh, with what I'm doing with my fitness. Like I'm like this year, I'm about to get below 230 and I know it's going to happen. And it's going to be amazing. So it's just like, I got a lot of stuff that I'm trying to do and like drinking's not worth it. I love it, man. And uh, final thing I want to touch on, are you still an active uh, NBA fan? So that's the thing, man. I'm not active. And uh, I I figured this would come up because I know you're a a huge fan. And um, it's one of those things where like, I kind of see some things on the periphery. Like I, I, I watch a quick clip on YouTube but I don't know the standings. You know, I know LeBron is injured. So, like, I'm a, I'm a huge LeBron fan. I'm always rooting for him just because I feel, I feel like people don't give him as much respect as he deserves as probably the greatest basketball player that we've ever seen. Um, I'll, I'll just go out there and say that. But, um, you know, I, I keep up with things uh, here and there, but I don't know exactly what's going on, honestly. So, to, to that, um, I rarely look at comments. Because basically he, he tore a tendon in his foot and it was uh, projected that he would not make it back before the end of the regular season. And maybe he could get back for like a game or two before the play-in or playoffs. Uh, he came back on Sunday and um, like he's nowhere near ready to play. Like, like what I look for is like, is he crossing his feet? Like, you know, because, you know, you, if, you're, if you're crossing your feet on the basketball court, 
playing defense, yeah, bad things can happen. And he was. He he was not able to maintain a balanced stance. He was crossing his feet. Um, he, you know, he still dropped nineteen. You know, casual off the bench, nineteen points and eight <laughs> rebounds. But um, I saw some comments. Uh, I'll occasionally look at the comments of of a, of an ESPN post and the amount of hate that he gets, man. Like, you know, they're calling him LaFoot. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, the uh, Lakers Jesus. still lost by ten points. Um, mind you, they did play a pretty solid Bulls team. It, they're, they're better than their record, by the way. But um, I just I mentioned that because um, it's like you know he came back in only three weeks from a. a, a a tendon tear in his foot. And, um, you know, he made some remarks that really bothered people, you know, but he went to the LeBron James defeat and, uh, cause he was told to get season ending surgery and then finally went to a doctor that says don't. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I'm, I'm catching you up to date, uh, on that story. Cause I do think if they, if he can get some form of health back, um, that team acted after the de- the trade deadline could really do some damage in the playoffs because they, they have, they have, they had the role players they were missing. They have the shooting and defense they were missing. And, um, you know, those two guys, AD and LeBron together, it's a deadly combination when, when it, when it's functioning and they got some rhythm and timing behind them. But um, the other piece though, is if KD, if KD comes back healthy, uh, cause Phoenix without, they just played Phoenix and they won, but, Phoenix without DeAndre Aiden and KD is still really fucking good. You add those two guys back in. That's it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough outing against Phoenix. And uh, I don't I don't pay as much attention to the East, but it's it's hard uh, between Milwaukee, Philadelphia. And no one wants to play those guys. No nah, man, that's a tough night out. Like it's I love I love how. Com- competitive the east has gotten you know you used to have a knock on like it was a little softer or whatever it's not as competitive as uh, the west but man like they, we got some some powerhouses over in the east and uh, it's cool like again I, i'm not paying as much attention but i do see like just at this time of year where like some of the games would kind of like fall off to kind of get ready for the playoffs like because of the playing tournament like that was one of the best things they could have done for their for the game so it just keeps like really highly competitive games um at this time of year so i love oh, it. man I, I could not agree with you more i mean it, it is it's completely it's made every single game in the regular season matter when it when it used to not matter um and uh, i think it's been great for the fans uh and and, and I, I think it was one of the, the real like key additions or rule changes um that that benefited the league but Anyway, man, uh, thanks so much for your time. Where can people learn more about you, follow you, stay in touch with what you got working? Yeah, definitely. Um, I like to hang out on Instagram right now. Uh, it's just my name, Miles with an I, M-I-L-E-S dot Orman, O-R-M-A-N on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty much posting content on the daily, you know, things to help out with mindset, wellness. I talk about sobriety and addiction, really trying to to pay everything forward that has helped me get to this point man like i have gotten here by consuming the information that i am putting out into the world and so i just want to pay it forward so hop on over to the page check it out if you like what you see you know hang out a little bit longer i will also drop uh 
your your Instagram handle in the show notes uh, for those listening. And again, like, you know, I, I've got you on, man. It's not just because you transformed your body and your my programs. I, I genuinely uh, see something special in you. I, I shared that to you before the call as well or the recording here. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of special people out there. Uh, so there's no guarantee. Like, unfortunately, being special doesn't guarantee anything anymore because, uh, you know, now we all have the ability to to be on uh, online and share our story and our journey or, or our expertise or our knowledge. But, um, you know, I think one thing that is, is the big separator, right? Like it's one thing to be special, but is there discipline behind that? And you're, you're, you're truly demonstrating um, it, whether it be the battles of addiction, being overweight, out of shape, uh, you know, taking the steps to, um, you know, saying you, you want it, you're sick of doing the sales jobs and you want to just, you want to build your own, income from home and find some financial freedom and some flexibility and stuff like that. Being special combined with discipline, it can do great things for you, man. And I wish you the best in this journey. And I'm grateful that uh, you connected with the stuff that we put out there. Um, but I also know that um, you're, you're just the type of cat that no matter what you would have found, uh, if you would, you would have worked the system and you would gotten the results and you proved that as an athlete, you know, that that's, that's again, like, People listening that weren't athletes, I know they probably feel a type of way about it, but there's just, for me personally, uh, knowing what it's done for me in my life and, and, and my formative years and how it set the tone for almost how I approach everything I put my mind to, um, you know, the athletic mindset and identity, I think that's what you lost. And when you tap back into it, it unlocked these new things for you. So don't lose it. Don't lose the athletic identity. Because um, when you are an athlete in your mind, you'll never be destructive to your body, at least on a consistent basis. You'll occasionally make some mistakes and stuff like that, but an athletic identity allows you to foster a discipline about yourself where slip-ups become just that. You know what I'm saying? Like, they just, they're slip-ups, you know, uh, because you immediately get back on track the next day because of the athletic identity. But when you lose that identity, a slip-up just becomes a slippery slope, and, uh, you know, that's what a lot of people suffer with out there, whether it be, uh, you know, drugs, alcohol, food, um, I don't know, pornography, whatever the addictions or the compulsive behavior is. Um, it's, it's all about discipline. It's all about discipline. And it takes a lot of time, repetition. And I know you're big into habits and uh, you do a great job, man. Like, I, I'll be honest, like you do. I, I was impressed with how open you are and how charismatic and I just, it must've been Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, I had some good training early on. It man. was all it's, those it's early the... Sesame Street reps. <laughs> I think so, man. Hanging out I, on the can street. I, can I challenge you with something? Absolutely. Can you find some old Sesame Street footage and post it on social? Yeah, I actually have one pinned on my, um, my, uh, my page. It's in the middle, but it's all pictures. I'm going to see if I can get some video though put up there got to get some video for the gram um nah, for sure. thank you guys for listening thank you miles for joining us and i will post uh miles instagram handle in the show notes that i appreciate if you took some time out of your day to give him a follow and show him some love uh if you're a member of the daily you know uh i try to get uh people on here that you know not just superstar performers but people that are you know trying to go above and beyond um, you know, the typical user experience. And then especially when someone goes out 
and tries to make a change in other people's lives, you know, I have to recognize that um, as someone who has, you know, humbly tried to do it in my own right. So I'd appreciate it if you showed Miles some love. And uh, I'll, I'll drop that in the show notes as well. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back with more episodes. And I hope you have a beautiful day. Peace.